Okay, so we've talked about a few different things with overflow. Uh, we talked about the fact that God wants to overflow his people in the area of finance and provision. We talked about God wants to overflow his people with love. Uh, we also talked about him overflowing his people with peace. And today, we want to look at another way God overflows his people, and that is he wants to overflow us with joy. And uh, this is a, a really interesting topic. It's a good one. You've heard me preach a little bit on joy before because I enjoy doing that. God wants to overflow us with joy, and it's not dependent on our circumstance. It's not dependent on what's going on around us. It depends on Him, His presence, His Holy Spirit in us, no matter what the situation. So we are able to overflow with joy no matter what. And I want to just get right into it. So Philippians chapter 1 and 25. It says, Being confident of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So here's Paul talking to the Philippians and telling them he wants them to have the joy of their faith, and he wants them to be even rejoicing more abundantly. Okay, so uh, amazing words from Paul to the Philippines. And he's saying he believes he'll come again to them, but he wants them to have abundant joy. You see, joy is important in our Christian walk. In our lives as believers, joy should be evident, and it should be abundant. That word abundant means to have more than enough overflow, to have an excessive amount of something ranging from moderate excess to a great degree of excess. Did you catch that? God wants you to have an excess of joy, more than enough. I remember when we first started recording some of our messages on YouTube, we would uh, just record them, and I think I recorded them all over the church, trying to find a good spot with lighting. That's before we had good lights, and... Uh, we were trying to record them, and the very first one I did, uh, you know, we were shut down during that season, so we had to just watch the recording, and our family got together in the living room to watch the recording, and we're watching it on TV, and it was really odd watching myself, you know, on the screen, and my wife is trying not to laugh, and I'm like, she's kind of going like this and watching us like, what? I didn't say anything funny yet, you know, she's... <laughs> She goes, no, you're smiling so big the whole time. I've never seen you that smiley. <laughs> and so I said, oh, yeah, I know. there was nobody there. I was just smiling at the camera. But uh, so all of us, we can have joy and have it more. So as I, as I preach this and bring it to you, I don't want you to think that Pastor Danny doesn't need to have more joy either. I do. And uh, you can ask my wife if you want to know more about, you know, Moments of Pastor Danny's not joyful. But I believe this is an important message for all of us to be able to allow joy to be evident no matter what the situation. Okay? And, you know, it's been an interesting week. It's been a week where there's things happening, you know, church wise and all that, where I'm like, man, this is a great week for God to tell me to preach about joy because <laughs> I can't get grouchy. 
And uh, even this morning, I was taking some time to really try to pray through because there's just things on my mind, and I'm like, no way. This is just the enemy trying to take away my joy, so I have trouble preaching about joy. And uh, I believe that the God we serve wants his people to walk in joy. Think about it for a minute. If you're a parent, do you want to see your kids walking around like this? moping around, crying all the time. No, you don't. You want to see your kids laughing, right? It's why parents early on find where the tickly spot is and make their kids laugh. Anybody ever do that? Okay. All the time, Dave still does that. Okay. Good job, Dave. Because we want to see them joyful. Often, the first time Parents see their little baby laugh. Nowadays, they post it on social media, right? Oh, their first laugh, or it's exciting. Well, our Heavenly Father's no different. He wants his kids joyful. He wants his kids overflowing. He didn't come to give us abundant life that's miserable. Jesus said, I've come, you have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you full of joy, no matter what the circumstance. There's a scripture which I actually haven't included here, but it's come to my mind, and it's the scripture where God's people, it says, they have joy unspeakable and full of glory. But if you continue reading the context, they're having that amazing joy in the midst of trouble. They're actually going through trouble and uh, trials but yet they have joy unspeakable and full of glory. How does that happen? It happens because our joy doesn't come from our situation. If you live in your situation, if you live in your problems, there's no joy. Choose to live in him flowing through you. But anyhow, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me give you some more scripture. God wants to overflow us with joy because he's that kind of God. It's who he is. And you've heard me share this point on every one of the overflow scriptures because it's a fact. First Chronicles chapter 16 and 26 says, The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. There's a scripture that says in heaven there will be no more tears, no more pain. Well, what is there going to be? There's going to be joy. Joy is in his dwelling place. Matthew 25 and verse 23 says this. Now, this is the end of a parable. I'll explain a little more after. But it says, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Here is a parable of Christ telling them um, that, you know, the Heavenly Father is like a Lord over possessions and his people that look after it. He comes back and he says to them, great job. Enter into the joy of the Lord. It's a picture of entering into heaven. So Jesus is saying heaven is the joy of the Lord. Well, you and I as believers know we don't have to wait till the day we come into heaven to experience heavenly things. 
There's a scripture that says we're seated with Christ already in heavenly places. That means we should have joy. All right. We're going to get some more scripture on this. Maybe some of you are like, Pastor Dan, you can say that all you want. You don't know what happened to me, or you don't know what I deal with. Or you don't know right now I'm feeling pain, or you, know, you don't know my kids. They're not like your kids. Or you don't know my work. I'd have joy if I had a different boss, or a different job, or more money. Whoa. Those things don't bring joy. I know a lot of people think a new car brings joy. Well, that's not really joy. It brings some excitement for a moment, but you still got to make the payments and eventually you got to fix it. Stuff doesn't bring joy. Okay? Stuff is blessings that God gives, but it's not where joy comes from. Joy comes from Him and it comes from within. Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. This is Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. I'm going to just take stop right there for a minute, and then I'll continue. Uh, God's people had not heard the word of God for a long time, and now they're hearing it, and they realize, we've been living in sin, and according to the law, there's a lot of bad stuff going to happen, and they were weeping about it. And Ezra and Nehemiah tell them, stop weeping. This is a sacred day before the Lord. And look at verse 10. It says, Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich food and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay, now you know where that verse came from. Some people have quoted that, Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. This is a portion of scripture where they clearly say, when you come and have a day set aside for God, rejoice in it. Church was never meant to be sad, depressing. It was never meant to be a place where we dwell on all our problems and weep about the past. Now, I know there's a moment when God deals with hearts and weeping may come as he heals and fills you, but the overall context of the atmosphere of coming before God should be joy. Woo! Yeah, they had some stuff to be sad about. But God said, no. I want you, whenever you set a day for me, you make sure you're rejoicing. He even clearly told them, you should celebrate Get some food together. Get some people with you. Some people who don't have food. And make it a time of joy. That sounds a little bit like a party. Oh. So if you're wondering, we want church to be a place where people can walk in the doors from a week of heaviness, maybe from a week of troubles. They should be able to come through that door and feel the presence of God that it's different. There's peace here. There's joy here. Now, 
I love God's word and I love joy, you know that. And sometimes I joke and sometimes my jokes aren't very funny, but you laugh anyways, thank you. But I think joy is important. Scripture says that laughter is like medicine. It's good for you. God wants you to come through heavy times. God wants you to come through problems and trials with joy, even joy unspeakable. By the way, does anybody wonder what he meant when he said they had joy unspeakable and full of glory? They were being so joyful and expressive of their joy that they're saying unspeakable means probably not something, you know, you just go tell everybody about. So they must have been doing some dancing, some woo. I don't know if they were like the Pentecostals and rolling on the ground or something, but anyway, that's unspeakable. I don't think I've seen anybody do that, actually, but it happens. And joy that overflows to the point where you're able to kind of let go of your, I'm very proper, I don't do anything, you know, out of, I don't know, maybe you have to be an Englishman for that, but um, everybody has different things where they're like, no, I'll be joyful, but I'm not going to look weird. Oh, and then you're laughing, you know, (laughs) who laughs like that? Anybody when they really laugh? That is the coolest laugh. I remember one time, but laughing is good and laughing is actually kind of contagious. If you're like, man, I just have a hard time laughing. You find somebody who's really joyful and laughing and spend some time with them. It'll make you laugh. It really will. Okay. Psalm 1, or Psalm 16, verse 11. Again, we're still talking about God and his presence and how joy surrounds him. Psalm 16, 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Ooh, in his presence is what? It doesn't say in his presence is boring. In his presence is tiring. In his presence is all about sin, and I'm so bad. This is in his presence is fullness of joy. Okay, here's something that not everybody is going to want to hear, but I'm going to say it anyways. If you spend time in his presence where there's fullness of joy, it will fill you, and then you will be someone who is joyful and overflowing to others. So, if you are not experiencing joy, you are probably not getting opportunity to be in his presence where there's fullness of joy. And instead, you're dwelling or spending time in the opposite. Please understand, people that are joyful aren't just joyful because they have less problems than you. Often we think that, oh, I'd be happy too. That guy got a big house. That's not what brings joy. If I could say it again and again, stuff doesn't bring joy. Stuff just requires more maintenance and for you to look after it, if you're honest. So joy comes from being in his presence. Take time to be in his presence. Listen to music that brings joy. Because you can listen to music that's sad, or you can listen to music that brings joy. Galatians 5.22. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, joy, is one of them. Now, what's a fruit? A fruit is what's produced from the tree. Okay, so the Spirit of God dwelling in us will produce fruit. It's like if I have an orange tree, I know that oranges are going to come from it. Right? So even though you see it here, it's just a tree, eventually it gets the flowers, and then they grow into oranges. The same way if the Spirit of God is in us, joy is something that will be produced. It will come from us. What did Jesus say? You'll know the tree by its fruit. And there's no fruit in there about grouchy and angry. That's not produced from the Spirit of God. That's produced, you know, from our own emotions or our dwelling too much on our problems and situations. But joy is produced when the Spirit is present. So joy is an outcome, and it is a sign that the presence of God is in us. All right, God wants his kids to overflow with joy. He actually wants us to live in joy. It shouldn't be momentarily once a week. It should be something we live in. We can live in joy in our relationships, in our homes, and instead... Maybe there can be momentary times of sadness or frustration, but the overall picture should be joy. Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into song. Rejoice and sing praises. And that's why we choose songs that talk about joy. We choose songs here at church that will... Lift and build people up with God's joy. Listen to John 15 and verse 10. Jesus made it clear that he wanted his followers to walk in joy. He said, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other the same way I have loved you. I want to read verse 11 again. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. All right? And your joy will overflow. Here's Christ giving them uh, his words, and this is, he wants them to grow and to learn before he leaves. And he says, I'm going to give you my joy. I want you to picture this for a minute. They walked with Jesus, and obviously they saw that he was filled with joy, or he wouldn't have said, I want to give you my joy, would he? And it was obviously something they desired for him to say it. He says, I'm going to give you my joy, and you're going to overflow with it. Oh, I didn't know Jesus was joyful. You know what? There's a scripture that says he was acquainted with sorrow and grief. That was talking about the time in his life where he went to the cross for you and I. He set his joy aside and suffered greatly. But in his walk, as he led them, he was joyful. 
He was an example because he could have not said, I'll give you my joy if he didn't have any. And he surely wouldn't have said, you'll overflow unless he was overflowing. He was a person of joy. And everywhere he went, he brought joy to people, didn't he? Think about it. He didn't just bring healing. He brought joy. He didn't just bring deliverance. He brought joy because their lives were transformed. He didn't just raise a little girl from the dead. He brought joy to an entire household and an entire neighborhood. He overflowed with joy. And you and I also should overflow with joy. Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord sometimes. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord once in a while. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord except for when somebody's mad at you. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord you know, only when your job's going perfect. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord just when you feel like it. And this is an amazing thing for us. We can speak this truth. We can live in this truth. When the old enemy tries to get you discouraged, you'll be like, oh, be quiet. God already told me I can rejoice always. Because he wouldn't tell you to do it unless it's possible. He's a good God. If he's told you to do it, it means it's possible. All right. God wants us to overflow with joy so that we can bring it to others. Luke 1, verse 41. This is a fairly well-known portion of Scripture, but I want you to see something interesting here. It says, It happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. I don't know if you understand what's happened right here. But I like to say it this way. Sometimes people will say, well, the first miracle of Jesus was at a wedding. I disagree. The first miracle of Jesus when he was still in the womb. Because, you see, he's the one who fills with the Holy Spirit. And when Mary came to talk to Elizabeth, the first miracle was actually Jesus filling two pregnant women and John in the womb with overflowing joy. Ooh, think about that. Still in the womb. They talk to each other. They are, you know, I just read it to you. They're shouting and expressing great joy, these two women. On the spot. And you know, when Mary took that journey to go see Elizabeth, she probably wasn't very joyful. You got to understand, she was in a sense going somewhere to hide away from her community because obviously not too many people believed her story they would have been like that is the farthest fetched story I've ever heard so she was actually going away and in a sense to hide out for a bit 
to Elizabeth's. And when she got there and said, hello, the Holy Spirit came. A baby, we know it says John was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that here Elizabeth says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. They became joyful. They were shouting. They were expressive. Don't you ever forget that God wants to fill you with joy. Jesus wants to bring you great joy. And when that joy comes, you've got to allow it to be expressed. I want to encourage you to go a little further than you have in the past with your joy. If you were taught, you know, it's not right to to really laugh or, you know, you got in trouble, you need to let that go. And you need to be willing to express your joy completely, fully. Think about it for a minute. If you can't express joy, you're not completely free. People who are in complete bondage experience no joy. Think about the demon-possessed man that was in the graveyards and Jesus set him free. He had no joy until he was set free. When you can't express joy, you're not experiencing freedom. Something is holding you back, whether it's your pride. Well, I don't want to look foolish, so I'm not going to do anything crazy. Whatever it is, you are not free when you can't express joy. So... If you have not been able to express joy for a long time, I am going to encourage you, ask the Lord, what's holding me back? What is it that's keeping me from expressing joy? And when you ask him, let him reveal it to you. Is there a bondage of sin or something that's making me depressed or heavy? Is there something... Uh, in my past that I haven't forgiven others for because unforgiveness will make you bitter and angry. It will hold you in bondage and joy is really hard to express when you're bitter. It's impossible. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. Ask the Lord if you haven't been experiencing joy, why? And if you say, well, it's my circumstance. Things aren't going well. No. Joy comes from within. So if you're not able to experience and express joy, it also means there's issues within. Okay, think about that for a minute. I'll keep reading. The gospel that we preach should bring great joy. The gospel that you and I have as believers is called the good news. We're told to bring it to anybody and everybody, and it should bring joy. So you see, you can't go to Walmart and be like, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. You know what? Life is terrible. The world's about to have a nuclear war and you're going to hell. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. The good news is there's a Savior. He sees right where you're at. He loves you and he doesn't want you to stay in your sin. He wants to set you free. And he already paid the price. And I can see you're going through something, and I'd love to pray with you so you can feel his forgiveness and his joy. Now, that's good news. And the good news we bring should bring great joy. In Luke 10 and verse 11, when the angels announced the birth of Christ, they said, don't be afraid. I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. Whew! Hey, if we are living in the good news that brings great joy to all people, we should be the most joyful people ever. 
Look at the person beside you and say, we're supposed to be joyful, okay? Okay. Look to somebody around you and say, don't forget to tell your face. No, I don't have to say that. <laughs> Joy will be shown. <laughs> you can't go to someone and say, I am the most joyful person ever. Okay, you know what I mean. Let it be expressed. Great news. Acts 8 and verse 5. And I'm going to try to wrap up here in the next few minutes. Acts 8 and verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Whoo! Our church should be able to bring great joy to the entire Slave Lake area by what we possess. Are we telling people and helping them get free from sin? Are we praying for people and they're seeing miracles? Are we helping people get out of mental bondage and depression? Because if we are, we can bring great joy to this city. Well, it's not actually a city. But anyways, it could be one day. Great joy to Slave Lake area. Let's do it. When we walk around town, we shouldn't be thinking only of our own stuff. We're called to reach out. That starts with how you think. If you walk around town like, oh, all my stuff, oh, my, my bills, my this, my that, and you get up to the tiller and she doesn't do it quite right, and you're grouchy. How about go through town instead with the attitude of, I'm supposed to bring joy to this town? Who needs joy? Who needs someone to smile at them? Who needs someone to pat them on the back? Who needs someone to visit them in the middle of the store and pray for them? You want to change your town? It begins with allowing joy to be expressed out of you. The love, the peace, which we already talked about in previous messages. Let's be people that do that. God said we're the, the light and the salt of the earth. We're supposed to have something that goes out to others. And changes them for the better. Salt makes things better. Light makes things awesome because it dispels the darkness. And finally, let me finish with this. We play a part in God overflowing us with joy. This is a point I'm making in every one of the messages, and I need you to understand this. Rejoicing, being joyful, is a choice. And it is a choice that you and I play a part in. You see, faith without works is dead. If you hear a word from God, you have to receive it, and then you have to step out in it. You can't only hear it and be like, that's cool. It's no faith until you put action to it. Let me read Hebrews 4 and verse 2. It says, The wonderful news, the message that God wants to save us, has been given to us just as it was to those who lived in the time of Moses. He's talking about the Israelites who were going to go into the promised land. It says, but it didn't do them any good because they didn't believe it. They didn't mix it with faith. For only we who believe God can enter into his place of rest. He said, I've sworn in my anger that those who don't believe me will never get in. Even though he had been ready and waiting for them since the world began. 
Hey, this is a powerful part of Scripture, and it's very clearly, let me just make it as simple as I can. He's saying this. I've spoken a word. God is saying, I spoke a word. I've already determined I'm going to do this. But someone who won't believe and take a faith step won't receive it. That's powerful. You play a part in how God uses you and works through you. You need to first believe it in your heart, and then you need to take a step of faith. I actually put it this way for you today. I believe that having faith can best be walked out as a believer if you do these three things, and it's this, receive it into your heart, speak it with your mouth, and take a step. It's simple. Believe it in your heart, speak it with your mouth, and take a step. Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The things that begin for you begin as you're thinking. What are you thinking about all day long? Because that's who you are. Well, I'm not a grouchy person. If you're thinking grouchy thoughts all day long, you're a grouchy person. Eventually, it's going to come out in your mouth, and eventually, you're going to walk that way. We know that God wants us to play a part in everything he does. There's another verse that says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's abundantly in you does come out of your mouth. So dwell on things that bring joy. Read things that bring joy. If you spend all evening, every evening online listening to scary stuff and horrible stuff around the world, that's what you're going to be filled with, and that's what's going to come out. Fill yourself with fearful things, you're going to have fearful stuff come out. Fill yourself with angry things, and angry things will come out. So fill yourself with what God wants, then begin to speak it, because life and death, it says, are in the power of the tongue. What you're speaking over yourself, life and death. What are you saying? What you're speaking over your relationship, life and death. You have the power to build your relationship or tear it down. You have the power to change your work situation by the words you speak. I want to tell one of the scripture stories without reading it, but if you want to read it later, it's in Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. And it's the story of the woman who had an issue of blood. For 12 years, and she said she'd suffered many things. She'd gone to the doctor. She spent all her money, but she was no better. When we read this story, it's in, I believe, three of the Gospels. They give a little bit different view, but it's pretty clear that this woman in her mind first said, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'll be made whole. And the way it's written, uh, some versions will actually say she said it over and over again. She thought it over and over again, and then she spoke it. If I can get to him and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. She believed it in here. She started speaking it, but it didn't end there. If she'd only believed it here and talked about it, she would have still not been healed. But then she took a step of faith, and she did something that she wasn't actually supposed to do. She got in the middle of that crowd. She pushed her way through, and she grabbed his garment. 
You see, her healing, Jesus actually says to her, Woman, your faith made you whole. She became well by the step she took. You see, God wants to overflow us with joy, but we need to say, Okay, God, I believe it. I'm filling myself up with it. We speak things that bring joy, and we take a step of faith in acting it out. It's God's principle for so many things that he wants to give you. So like this woman, don't just hear it, receive it, speak it, take a step of faith. If you don't know what the step of faith is for you, then you ask him or you ask somebody, but you will need to take a step. If you do nothing, there will be no miracle. If you take no step, you will see no result. Even though God has already spoken it. Think about it for a minute. Christ died for all sin. Christ died that anybody could be healed. His body was broken for our healing. But not everybody walks in healing. Why? You got to believe it. You got to speak it. There'll be a step that you need to take every time. But that's for another message. You see, God truly will overflow us with joy. And joy is a choice. Living daily in joy is a choice that has nothing to do with your circumstance. There's a verse in Scripture that I really uh, think is a powerful one, and it's Psalm 118.24, and this is my last verse I'm closing. It says, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is a verse that I like to quote every morning. Because when I choose to quote this verse, I speak it out loud. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. You know what? Sometimes I got to say it more than once before it's real. But I choose. And then by doing that, I've set my mind that I'm going to look for things that make me joyful. I set my mind that I'm not going to dwell on the things that bring me down. I'm going to dwell on things that will bring joy. And most days, I'm pretty joyful. But i got to be honest, I'm a real person as well. And I want you to know that God's taking me higher in this area as well. I believe you and I as believers can bring joy to this city. But we can only do it if we're full of joy first. You can't bring to somebody what you don't have. So I'm going to encourage you as believers, let's get filled with joy. You see, God gives each of us the ability to change the atmosphere where we go. Did you know when you walk through life, if you want to picture it, it's like a boat. You create a wake behind you. What kind of wake are you creating? Is it a wake of joy, love? Are you creating a wake of frustration, depression? You get to choose that. Let's create a wake in our community that people will be like, there's something different about this person. Because God wants to fill you with joy.